The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails done. Outfit stunner. And my skin? I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. Podcasting. Oh, I love it. I love Mm -hmm. when you talk into microphones and people listen. Yay. Good for them. It's going to outlive microblogging. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Who could could have thought? (laughs) We've won, guys. (laughs) We are the last medium standing. Well, to be fair, I do think the majority of people on this call got, got this job it's <laughs> a small part because of microblogging. One hundred percent because of microblogging. Yeah, 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 it's <laughs> true. Me? Look at where our posts have brought us. That's uh, right. Here mm-hmm. to this moment on the podcast, yeah. it could happen here. Uh, the podcast where mm. we don't explain what the podcast is. That's right. Nope. nope. Yep. And yeah, the podcast also contains me, Christopher Wong. It contains Garrison Davis. It contains James Stout. Mm-hmm. And allegedly, Robert Evans says. Yeah. However, title. comma yeah, yeah, Robert yeah. Evans is. Yeah. I th- I think yeah. he's legitimately he, actually busy right now. He is. He <laughs> is like recording something else or something. Yeah, yeah. He's doing a marathon thing. But if you look at the iHeart page, it's only Robert. We yeah. have we have a lot of a lot of podcasts on. Yeah. Anyway, it's mm-hmm. true. On on the Cool Zone Media. Yeah. On on the Cool Zone Media. That's right. Mm-hmm. So speaking of podcasts, we've done on the Cool Zone Media. We did one that came out. The one before this one. Mm-hmm. And what was it about? It, it was it was about how a bunch of socialists want five hundred thousand more cops, or specifically several interventions. Yeah. yeah. So okay, I I asked myself the question when I read this: Why? Why do they want this? <laughs> how did we well, get here? Because they're rich <laughs> and they're scared. 
<laughs> yes, sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true. It's there's <laughs> there's also capture. sort of there's also sort of deeper roots to what's happening here. And okay, so like it, it is true that there's been a whole wave of people who were sort of nominally progressive or like socialists in 2016 or 2017 who turned right in the past few years, particularly over racial issues like Lee Fang, uh, Glenn Greenwald, like more recently the TYT people. Like Bashar Sakara's <laughs> were doing crime wave shit like kind of recently, which was actually really funny. He had this tweet about how like, oh, the crime rate's not actually down. There's specific neighborhoods where the crime where people are poor, where the crime is up. And then you look at the data and that's exactly the opposite of what's happening. But OK, so it, th- th- but this entire push for sort of more police is part of a, a broader political project that Adana Rusumi and his sort of allies and Jacobin and et cetera, et cetera, have been pushing for years now. And this ad- sort of like political project is the class side of what's called the class versus race or the race versus class debate. So for people who were either weren't here for this or have like blissfully forgotten this, the, the, the race class debate was basically an argument about sort of the role of race in leftist organizing. Um, the argument was basically like, okay, should we understand race as like a structural force in, in the U S that requires its own specific organizing around racial justice and like liberation movements, or should we attempt to put class first and attempt to solve racism by appealing to like the interests of the entire working class and only doing class-based organizing? Um, th- there are broadly like three types of class first people. And weirdly, we're going to see two of them here. Um, there are a very small number of very committed and very radical Marxists and like a small number of anarchists who think that like, well, race was a product of class anyways. And so if you end the class system and abolish private property, that's the sort of like actual central like mechanism of oppression in society and if you do that like you know race will sort of fall apart and so you know you care sure. about class uh-huh. um yeah mm-hmm. whatever sure it's all I, false consciousness anyway yeah like these people are wrong i think they're less dangerous than the other kind of two people but we're also going to see one of these guys later so there there's the people <laughs> i call the like class with like a k people who are just straight up like racists like yeah, I mean, they are they they, they, they are with, class with a kkk is, yeah right like they yeah, they yeah, yeah. you know the, the the groups of socialists i've compared them to are like the socialists who came to the u.s after 1848 and were like oh shit who cares like slavery like we, we don't care about slavery the actual thing that like is good for the working class is stealing more land for indigenous people and this is how we're going to solve the labor question oh yeah or That'll also the sort of like like the the, the the people who were in the knights of labor in like the 1880s who were like all right we need to we need to defend labor the way we're going to defend labor is by ethnically cleansing the entire west coast of chinese people like th- th- these are basically these guys right they're, they're just straight up racist who want unions and health care um they used to be a real faction in the DSA, um, formed around this like absolutely dog shit uh, subreddit called Stupid Poll. Um, there used to be a bunch of them in Philadelphia, and these kind of people like they were like Red Scare's initial base. And so by you know this is like the 2017, 2018, 2019. By now, like in 2022, these people are almost entirely deranged tradcaths who spend literally their entire time deep throating Peter Thiel's boot. So they're kind of mostly like they're just right wingers now. <laughs> like that—that's what's happened to these people. Um, yeah. Good riddance, fuck them. I yeah. And then there are people like Adonai Usmi and Bashkar Sankara who don't really want to end capitalism and think that socialism is just sort of like welfare states and some unions. And also, and they also, and this is sort of critical tend to think that racial justice organizing is a distraction from their main goal of achieving socialism. And by achieving socialism, I mean electoralism. And by electoralism, I mean getting these people elected to office. Yeah, yeah. I hate these people. Their politics sucks. 
I I've been fighting them for like since I became a leftist, I've been at war with these people. And to 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 get a sense of how we got from you know what what was legitimately in a lot of cases, what was at least legitimately an argument about how to deal with racism to a bunch of socialists going, we need 500,000 more cops. I, I want to take a look at a piece uh, Adam Arusami wrote in Catalyst with David Zachariah called The Class Path to Racial Liberation. And I, I want to take a quote from its opening to give it a sense of people of like how awful this politics is. This is like like one of their sort of like opening statements about what, what they're, why they're taking the class side in the debate. We argue that the class-race debate should center on one principal domain, the distribution of material resources. Now, okay, at first glance, this seems kind of reasonable enough, but there's another incredibly important aspect of any attempt to grapple with race and class that Usami is just ignoring entirely, and that's violence, right? Race, race is not just a measure of economic inequality, it's an index of violence. And, you know, racialization increases your risk of interpersonal violence, it increases your risk of sexual violence, it increases your risk of mass communal violence, a lot of lynchings or sort of ethnic cleansing campaigns. And maybe most importantly for this whole argument, like being racialized dramatically increases the risk of, of suffering state violence. And this is a real problem for the sort of class first people because, you know, Usami's sort of multiple, like multiracial working class electoral project won't do shit to prevent people from experiencing state violence just because there's welfare programs. You know, we, we talked about this, what this looks like in our Brazil episodes, right? You actually have, like, legitimately a, uni- like a sort of united multiracial working class. It elects a social, a social democratic government, and they enact anti-poverty reform, reforms and increase the size of the welfare state. And while this is happening, they also increase incarceration, the incarcerated population by 620% and created a rate of police killing that is 11 times higher than it is in the U.S., Right. And this is the thing these people really don't want anyone to think about, which is that race is actually more complicated than economic inequality, which this entire politics is just dedicated to not seeing because class first politics, like a lot of what it really is about, amounts to a theoretical framework that gives you a way to argue that race is not an explanatory framework for literally anything so you don't have to talk about it. And anyone who talks about it is dividing the working class or some shit and it... Yeah. Class traitor. Yeah, it fucking sucks. And, you know, like one of, one of the big sort of political violence things is mass incarceration. And one of sort of Adonner's like political projects is arguing that mass incarceration isn't about race at all, but it's actually about class. Which, uh... <laughs> so uh, we're going to see some more bullshit. Um, he, he, right. he, wrote, he wrote an article in Catalyst called The Economic Origin of the Mass Incarceration Alongside... You Chicago professor John Clegg. And I, I have like I have an enormous special contempt for John Clegg for two reasons here. One, because, you know, Adonner's like an irredeemable Jacobin, like soak them hack, right? Clegg is nominally was was part of the sort of the Anglophone Marxist like ultra left, right? Like he, he was one of the con- contributors to the sort of to to the ultra left theory journal, like ultra left sort of Marxist communization journal endnotes, which, you know, like that influenced oh, yeah. me a lot when I was like a tiny baby leftist. And he, I, I also have an incredible amount of contempt here because he's a Harper Schmidt fellow at the University of Chicago. And here's the thing. Okay, I don't know what Harvard is like, right? I've never been there. I, I don't know what their campus is like. I, I don't know what it's like to be, uh, be on campus at Harvard. 
I know what you Chicago, the U Chicago campus is like. I know that there's a cop on every fucking corner. I know that there's surveillance cameras literally everywhere. I know that they lock down the entire fucking campus while hundreds of heavily armed cops storm through every building and every courtyard in the area every single time a kid steals something from a gaming store and runs for it until they've hunted them the fuck down. And I know that, you know, I, I, I know that the cops almost fucking killed me while I was there during a police chase. I know that John Clegg was on fucking campus when the U Chicago Police Department shot a kid who was having a mental health crisis. And to, to watch this shit every single fucking day and to make this kind of argument is just fucking unforgivable. It is, it is fucking atrocious. I, I, I guess I should, I should explain this a little bit for people who, who don't understand this. So the University of Chicago is like in the middle of the south side of Chicago. It like, the na- like most of the neighborhoods around it are like 80% black. And then there is just this fucking university they've planted in the middle of it. And this college has the world's largest private police force. There's the also the regular fucking CPDs around there. There are like for like blocks and like 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 through other neighborhoods. There are just U Chicago police officers there. There are fucking CPD cops everywhere. It is a fucking militarized hellhole. And yeah, and you know, like it, it is a place where like the way that race functions in the U.S. is blindingly fucking obvious. You can you can immediately understand it by looking. <laughs> Like, you, you walk outside your fucking dorm, you look at the cop, and you look at how the cop treats people depending on what the race is, right? It is so unbelievably obvious. However, comma, in this article, <laughs> Clegg and Usami are going to argue that mass incarceration is actually a product of, of class policy resulting from a, a lack of social democracy and underdevelopment resulting from a transition from an agrarian economy to an industrial economy in the, in the, in the, in the 20th century. Many people, people are saying this. And, and the subsequent okay, mass migration of black people north. Like, what? Oh. What, what kind of agrarian economy we have to ask? Yeah. Who, like, who is doing the labor in said agrarian economy? How much were like, they paid? It's like it's like the the, the the basic argument that they're gonna make is that like well so there were a bunch of people who'd been slaves and then they became not slaves and then a bunch of them started migrating north but because there was this mass migration all these people showed up to the like showed up to these cities where there was no infrastructure and then so there was a bunch of crime and then because of the crime there was mass incarceration which is hmm, okay we're yeah. we're gonna get some more into this um but before we go into the sort of deeply reactionary part of this article right. You have to understand that when these people say that this is a a like a class based policy, like class here does not mean the same thing that it means for like you know a regular person who thinks about class or like you know a Marxist, which again both these people nominally are. Um, here's from the journal Spectre, which did a really good sort of critique of of this whole absolutely dog shit article. Quote: Clegg and Usami's claim that class is essential to understanding mass incarceration amounts to a repackaging of a widely understood fact as revelatory insight. And while they title their article, quote, The Economic Origins of Mass Incarceration, they never delve further into class in a Marxist or even critical sense. Instead, they use educational attainment data as a proxy. They note that a large portion of people who are imprisoned have low levels of educational attainment. And I, I, I am glad to know that everyone on this call who does the exact same job as me, uh, it, we're all from different classes. Congratulations, <laughs> yeah. James. You are now the bourgeoisie. Congratulations, yeah. Garrison. You are now proletariat. I'm, I guess, yeah. the labor aristocracy. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> really. why I'm here to expropriate the surplus value from your labor, Garrison. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and like, uh, if you go to prison, it's... Uh, it's my fault. Yeah, like I, I just okay. 
so like yeah what an asshole what a, what, a, what a ridiculous fucking claim yeah and, and it's like like these these okay so like like it used to be like the Jacobin people do this all the time right like they they had this they made this famous study about the people who vote for Trump that was like oh it's people people who voted for Trump did it in like working class areas and again yeah. working class was by uh, education data and then also they didn't go because it turns out like this is actually true right there there are a lot of people who voted for Trump for working class areas it turns out who those people are are the small business owners in working class areas. <laughs> but they didn't fucking go yeah. grandier enough, enough so that, you know, they do this uh, shit all the time, right? And th- this is the kind of analysis that, like... like Yeah, using uh, shit name? as a proxy for class yeah. is, like, a, it's yeah. a classic fallacious thing. Yeah, that, like, like uh, yeah. what's his name? Uh, Nicholas Kristoff? Uh, fa- fa- <laughs> yeah, he did this, too, also. Like, like this, this is... this is We're, we're getting fucking Kristoff-level analysis out of these <laughs> supposed Marxists. And, like, okay, so... All right, the curious thing here is that Clegg, at least on an intellectual level, knows better than this, right? Like, he wrote, he wrote for EndNotes. EndNotes has a very sophisticated class analysis. But if you're actually interested in the sweeping arc of the history of the proletariat, you can't make the kinds of arguments that Clegg is making in this thing. And so, you know, because, he, because he's trying to make this argument, he's reduced to this, like, like just absolute, like, like seventh-rate, like, fucking New York Times pundit-level analysis. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's like okay, and, you know, and like they're, 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 it's it's this is really sad because for actual Marxists and not sort of like liberal bourgeois hacks doing like fucking New York Times bullshit, you know, class is about ownership, right? It's about who owns the means of production and who's forced to work for them. And you know, okay, so you have this, you have the proletariat or like the working class, who are the people who own nothing and are thus forced to sell their labor for people who do who do own stuff, right? But this also presents a problem for this entire argument because. If you actually want to do class analysis, you have to understand that race plays a major role in who even gets to become part of the regular proletariat in the first place. Because most, there's a lot of people through the development of the course of capitalism who fucking never even got to become wage laborers because they were enslaved, they were exterminated, they were turned into debt peons, and, oh wait, guess who fucking got that shit? Oh yeah, it wasn't white people. And you know, if 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 you're, if you're gonna write, and, and, and if you're gonna be writing arguments of like explaining the rise of like a mass system of enslavement, you might want to think about this. But no, <sighs> <sighs> okay. So, do you know what else is responsible for a mass series, a mass system of enslavement? Uh, the advertising and how they affect our brains. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one. I was gonna go with Stalin, but yours was good. Well. Same same diff, honestly. Yeah, Stalin, first mm-hmm. mass marketer. So true. Yep. <laughs> Famously, yeah. Stalin, I'll send you a meal kit if you ask him. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence all pride. 
Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride, glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! You're probably careful with your personal information, but what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed, or your money back with plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at lifelock.com news. That's lifelock.com news to save up to 40%. Terms apply. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Okay, we're back. And we're back to talk about the other argument of the economic origin of mass incarceration, which is that the argument that mass incarceration happened because people were legitimately scared about crime. Like, seriously, this is their argument. Their argument is that crime went up, people demanded less crime, and then the government did it. (laughs) Like, I... Wait, did they did they give analysis of the class of people who demanded well, this they, crime? Okay, they, they, they make this fun argument that both black and white people were demanding the end of crime, which is sort of true. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at what, like, like yeah, like, obviously, and this is the thing, right? Like, you, you can find people of any race who can t- who will take basically any political position. And so if, if you go looking for, like, black people who are tough on crime, you can find it, right? There are black politicians right. who are, yeah, like, yeah. tough on crime, right? But- that's also not the reason why mass incarceration happened. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. And also, like, you know, if if, if you and you know, there was there was also there were people who who like weren't tough on crime people who were like talking about who were talking about trying to end like sort of like uh, like violence spikes. But if you look at what they were saying, it was stuff like 
Uh, we we want the police to like respect human rights instead of property rights, and <laughs> uh, you know, okay. So I, I yeah, this this yeah, is yeah. just sort of silly, right? It, it, yeah, but but, but the, the the point of this is that this is basically this is their full on broadside against abolitionism as like a body of work, right? It is sort of modern abolitionism. Um, it, it's directly criticizing uh, Michelle Alexander's uh, the New Jim Crow mass incarceration in the age of colorblind lists, yeah. and it's also like a volley basically against anyone who's trying to explain mass incarceration through race. And so what they argue is that crime increased because there wasn't a strong labor movement to solve the problem that like cause solve the problems that cause crime with economic like redistribution. So the state turned to like a cheaper option, which was prisons. And the ch- is it a cheaper option? Well, okay. So they're, they're, they're not wrong in a, in like, there is some truth here, right? Which is that there is a reason that mass incarceration started spiking when capitalism went into crisis in the seventies and eighties. And it is actually it is actually genuinely cheaper for 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 the bourgeoisie to run a prison state than it is to run a welfare state. But and and this is the important part, right? Both the welfare state and the prison complex are diff- are just different forms of counterinsurgency. Usami, who is a social democrat, is ideologically incapable of understanding this. His his entire ideology is that like is based on the fact that the welfare state is the end point of socialism, but this is completely backwards, right? The welfare state yeah. and, and social democracy were first implemented by Bismarck, like specifically yeah. as a way to buy workers off to stop them from carrying out a socialist revolution and actually seizing the pro like seizing the property of the ruling class and using the production for the benefit of mankind and not profit. That is why this shit, the welfare state was invented. Like yeah, that, that like was the first time I was put into practice. <laughs> If you go back to like Edmund Burke, right, in the French Revolution, reform to preserve the idea that like we have to give people these little these little slices here and there, like give them a treat, and then yeah. then, then then they will never come and take the cake. And, like, and if, if you read these people, they're really explicit about this. Like they will just yeah. openly say we're buying off the working class. But these absolute clowns have like somehow convinced themselves <laughs> that this is what socialism actually is. Yep. It's when and, treats. Socialism yeah. is when treats. Social, socialism is when socialism is when you you confuse table scraps for treats. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, and this, this this comes to sort of the other thing that these that that these people can't understand, which is that social democracy was a class compromise, right? That there was a deal that the capitalists and the working class agreed to, and, and when I when I say they agreed to this, right, like th- this isn't just sort of like an like it kind of is an abstract deal, but. There were also very literal deals, right? There's this thing called the Treaty of Detroit, which is this massive, basically, set of negotiations and then, are, like, agreements that are made between the U.S. government, like, a, a huge portion of organized labor in the auto industry and the auto companies, right? Which, which basically, like, the, 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 the substance of the Treaty of Detroit was, like, if you give us all of this welfare shit and benefits shit, right, we, won't, we will stop constantly going on strike. These are explicit deals. They're explicitly being negotiated between these massive trade unions and and like the the the, the capitalists who own companies by the American government. And so they, they get this deal. And the deal is you get unions and pension and a vacation and like healthcare as long as you don't like seize control of factories and run them for themselves. Yeah. And this held from sort of like the fifties through the seventies. Partially this held because also the U.S. specifically was just really really rich and its economy was growing really fast. But you know, but by by the by the nineteen seventies, suddenly the rate of profit is starting to collapse, and suddenly it does actually become possible to both pay for the welfare state and have capital turn into more capital at the same time. And you know what happens is is, is full on class war over the course of the seventies and the eighties, and the, the you know the, the capitalists win the class war. 
And the product of this, and this is true not just in the U.S., but in, in like a lot of other neoliberal countries too, is that there is a massive uh, military the, – the state is sort of stripped down to nothing in terms of like providing services. But there's this massive buildup of the military and police and also prisons. And so, you know, th- th- this is in some sense, like, if you if you want a class-based explanation of mass incarceration, like, this is part of what, like, that's a big part of what's going on. It's also true that in the U.S., insofar as there was sort of a revolutionary force, it was black people doing, like, like doing the Panthers, doing uh, the, uh, I'm blanking on it, doing the, the Black Liberation Army. And this meant that sort of the, the sort of counter-revolution to this was specifically about deploying the sort of, like, like, they're deploying the state against these people because, yeah. Yeah, like this movement is is actively trying to destroy capitalism by destroying the racist ap- like police apparatus and indigenous folks too. I guess yeah, at the yeah. same time period, like AIM, for instance. Yeah, and you know, so the, the, the ruling class sort of loses their minds, and this is this is also this is also part of what's happening here. But the problem is the sort of Jacobin cop freaks like need the police for their like social democratic hell world that they want to build. And so they can't have any like it, it is it is incredibly structurally dangerous for them for people to be arguing that like the police are inherently a force of like systemic racial oppression because yeah. they want them around. Yeah. And so well, they so, do all this. So they bullshit, can keep playing right? 50 bucks per article. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Clegg, meanwhile, as best I can tell, just doesn't want to use race as like an explanation for shit. Like they, they literally argue in this in this thing, like in this in this article, that white flight was actually just capital flight and wasn't about racism. Ah, uh, good. And they just they, they're they're doing this entire thing about right the the sort of political economy of 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 the city, and they just they never mention they're, they're so ruthlessly committed to their program of not talking about racism, but don't even mention redlining. It's like <laughs> like they've managed to go to the right of like the libertarian party on race. It's like yeah. Yeah, outflank him to the right. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read more from the the Spectre article that's like yelling at these people. Considering their investments in the category of violent crime, Clegg and Usami seem curiously serene about the practices that upheld segregation. They would have us believe that such tactics are simply quote caste-based remedies of exclusion, and that quote such strategies were rational, even if suboptimal in the long run effectively rationalizing and apologizing for racism. <laughs> so yeah. this is great. And then they, they cap this off with this giant, like swelling crescendo of an argument about how the left can't ignore crime. And the, you know, okay. So th- this is an argument yeah. with political consequences, right? And you can see those consequences yeah. in that, in the 500,000 cops article we were talking about yesterday. Um, here, here, here's a quote from that article. This figure shows the same prisoner and police data as shown in figure one, but this time denominated by the level of homicide rather than the population. America's outlying incarceration rate looks normal given the level of serious crime. And now the level of policing in the United States appears exceptionally low compared to other countries. So, okay, you you can see the line of argument here, right? It goes like mass incarceration isn't about race. It's actually about class. And actually, it's really about crime. And then it goes from the crime to, oh, well, this was about crime to we need to actually do something about crime. And then that turns into the only thing we can do about crime is have more cops. <laughs> you know, uh. yeah. and, 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 and the other part of this, right, it goes back to the thing about like. OK, the thing about like the you know, and this is something that Garrison was talking about yesterday, right? Like 
the, the, the way in which you can only think the level of policing in the U.S. is exceptionally low is if, is if you never interacted with a cop. And yes, this is a deliberate thing, right? The, the sort of Jacobin cadre of like faux Marxists, like their entire political project was ori- like originally was driving off the anarchists who'd founded Occupy, you know, dream- in, like and driving these people into the political w- wilderness and displace it with their sort of bureaucratic cop socialism, right? Like what, one, one of the first like big Jacobin articles was a giant thing about why the Zapatistas aren't a model for the American left. Because, <laughs> right? Like, you, you can see what's happening here. Uh, okay. This is they, yeah. these people are, have been anti-anarchist like to their core, and, be, and again, because they need cops, they need to get rid of the people who hate the cops. Like again, the people who were actually on the streets during Occupy, who have seen shit like, for example, the bloody stains on the wall outside of police holding pens, where the cops smash the heads into of like every single person they arrested. A thing that happened constantly during Occupy. Right, and these people who you know have seen the police shoot their friends' eyes out like, are incredibly inconvenient if you're trying to put yourself on top of a police state. And, you know, so, of course, are abolitionists, which means you also need to sideline them. Them And, and these are, this you know, this sort of strategy is an old, entrenched, like, position of, of, of these people. Um, in, in 2018, Jeremy Gong, who was, like, the one time, basically, like, the dictator of DSA East Bay, uh, was caught in, in secret documents saying, quote, we are not, in cap, this is, by the way, in his capital letters, not for abolition of prisons. I would go further. 90% of black people want more police in their neighborhoods. Really? All right. Yeah. Jeremy <laughs> Gong, by the way, Asian dude, not black. Uh, fuck you. Eat shit. I, I hope you're having fun. Like, I, well, I don't have, I don't hope you're having fun. I hope you're having a bad time losing another election by getting 3% of the vote or some shit. Like, fuck you. Eat right. shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I should mention this also, like, it, 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 it's a very obvious thing to say, but it, like, it should be pointed out that, like, everyone who's making this argument, like, th- specifically these arguments about cops and about the stuff being about crime, these people are all either white or Asian. And I, I genuinely think that plays a-, a pretty big role in why they're doing this. It is just a breathtaking position to take in 2021 to, yeah. to as a white person, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, Anna Kasparian article, which uh, she wrote for Newsweek, a great oh yeah. s- source of unbiased content on the left about how uh, we need to stop gaslighting. Progressives need to stop gaslighting people on crime. Uh, uh, to, as a white person in 2022, like take the stand with the platform that has been given to you with all the privileges that you have had and, and gaslight black folks about the importance of race is it, just like, b- breathtakingly lacking in like context or self-awareness or like, have you not been fucking paying attention? Like, at least for the last two years, if not for the last 20 years, you know? Yeah, and I mean, like, this is a whole thing, right? Like, they, they have this whole sort of political project that's, like, like, like makes talking up, like, their goal is to make talking about this shit sound cringe. Because, yeah. you know, they and they have to, right? And this is, this, this is, this is also sort of class-based survival strategy, right? Because, like... They, these people couldn't fucking hack it as abolitionist scholars. They they have no fucking idea what they're talking about, right? Yeah. If, if they if they if they have to actually intellectually like be in the same sphere as like someone like Ruth Gilmore Wilson, they are going to get fucking blown. Like these people are like <laughs> it, it, this is this is yeah. like a fucking battle cruiser going to war against a speedboat, right? Like <laughs> they can't fucking hack it, and so they have to sort of like do all of this shit. To convince people that, like, no, 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 it's actually really not about race. Uh, it's it's actually about class. This thing that I can very easily pretend to care about from academia in a way that I can't with you know pretending to care about race because 
Like, I, I, I can't even fucking fake it, right? And, and you know, I would say this, like, <laughs> back in 2018, right, like, Jeremy Gong and his allies are very careful to frame their view in terms of, like, well, we want to end mass incarceration and police violence, but we have to be tactical about how we do it, and the tactical about how we do it is black people want more cops, right? But, but that that was their internal <laughs> documents. Their external, their external statements were like, eh, well, some police abolitionism stuff looks like more cops anyways, but, but, but you know, internally they were always saying this. And now with the, you know, these people think that there's a political right turn coming and they think that, you know, they can fucking take their mask off and just say what they really mean, which is 500,000 more fucking cops. And, you know, and and part of what's going on here, right, is like, like the reason this is happening is because when the uprising happened, these people were just caught with their pants down because their entire political project for like fucking how, how, how many years were, were they doing this? Like seven years was elect Bernie Sanders. And then he lost back to back successively to like Hillary Clinton, who was maybe the least popular candidate the Democrats have ever run ever, and Joe Biden, who is a fucking senile rapist, who like again was all like uh, uh, they they lost his election to a man who couldn't remember who who he had been vice president under, and they couldn't <laughs> beat him, right? Like yeah. so, these people were completely discredited, and then you know the uprising happened. These people were caught with their pants down because they'd spent their entire fucking time organ like arguing that like there's no path to liberation through race like race any kind of racial like politics at all intersectionality is bullshit like we just have to focus on class we just have to focus on class and their fucking pure class electoral campaign failed in oh hey guess what it failed in the south like wow damn i, 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 I wonder why this politics fucking yeah. got swept by joe biden like okay and then you know and, and, and then the up the uprising starts and the uprising is you know, the uprising is about anti-racism. It is about people looking of the vi- at the violence, like, of the police against black people and going, fuck this. And they have nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the whole intellectual leadership here, like, all these people are fucking calling for more cops. Bernie Sanders is arguing for more cops, right? Like, Chapo's fucking, Chapo was literally making the same arguments that my fucking mayor made while she was raising the fucking drawbridges to stop protesters from being able to get back into the middle of Chicago, which is that actually, like, cops, uh, becoming a cop is actually one of the few ways that uh, non-white people can uh, join the middle class. Uh, right that was i think i think amber made that argument right um so you know th- they have nothing right and, yeah. and you know okay and, and and you know and the uprising eventually gets suppressed which is the best thing that ever happened to these people because if the uprising has succeeded these people were done right like but all of this has enormous consequences right which is the the, the failure of the working class to appear at the ballot box to like pull bernie sanders over the line against joe biden revealed something that was like patently obvious to anyone who'd been watching how the working class is moving worldwide for the past 20 years which is that the only thing that can actually unify the if, if you care about class politics, the only thing that can unify the working class and pull it together as a coherent political force to do a thing is their hatred of the police. If, if, if you look, if you look at what the work, working class politics in the 21st century, the, the, the working class finds its historical unity exactly and only on the barricade. It appears undivided yeah. literally nowhere else. It is impossible. You can't do it. The only thing that does it is, is fighting the police. Like more broadly in like means of state violence, right? Like if we look at the popular front in Spain, it's you even get like cops who are installed by a socialist Republican government joining the working class to fight the military. But yeah, instead we're going to be like the working class will be united in this op-ed at Newsweek.com. Yeah, or in this this fucking electoral thing, right? And it's like no, and I think that like this this is partially about these people not understanding the sort of broad arc of, of of the last decade, decade and a half, which is that like. This was the actual meaning behind the people want the fall of the regime, right? This this was what was going on in the last decade of uprisings and street movements across the world, right? 
is th- yeah. th- that was the thing that could unify the working class. But of course, and, and this is the sort of secret of all of this, right? Like these people don't want to unify the working class. They only want to unify it if it's under their control. The, the, erup- the eruption of, you know, like actually the working class standing side by side together fighting the cops on barricades in 2020 was the worst thing that could possibly happen to them because, it, it you know, it pointed to another way of doing politics that they uh, like in the, in the street that they thought they'd, you know, crushed after the defeat of Occupy. And yeah, yeah and, and, you know, and they, they were they were they were incredibly scared by this. They were pissed off by this. And, you know, I, 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 I mentioned last episode that I was going to talk about the sort of class politics that's at work here because, you know, the, these demands for more cops, like they don't come from the working class. Right. Like insofar as there's ever been a referendum on the police as an institution, it was 2020. And, yeah. you know, we know what that looked like. Right. It was a, it was a, a bunch of fucking working class kids went into the streets and, you know, and fought like lions against the fucking cops. And even the sort of liberal, like the liberal middle and professional classes, like eventually turned against them, you know, as, as sort of 2020 rolled on. Right. And, you know, the, like those people still hung on for months and months and months, you know, like refusing to leave the streets, even after the fucking federal marshal started literally assassinating people openly in the streets. Right. Like the, the, the whole demand for more cops, for like a harsher crackdown on crime, all of this stuff comes from precisely the opposite direction. Right. It's entirely generated by the by the by, by by basically the media class, right? It's it's class base is a combination of these sort of like faux progressive like media outlets, and originally this starts with the New York Times and the Washington Post, and then moves left or nominally left, right? And it, when it hits like the fucking two IT and all of their like bullshit, right? And then you know, and and, and then at, at that point, having 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 run through the media people, right? It's it starts running through these pseudo radical academics like Christopher Lewis and Adonai Usami, and then. The, the last group of people who are backing this is this is a, is a very weird one, but uh, there's a collection of paid union staffers who like for their jobs because they're in the big unions work on police and prison guard contracts. Um, this this was actually this is this is this has been a huge problem. With the DSA uh, in 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 what was it 2016? No, 2015, 2015, 2016. One, one of the, the, the MPC elections they had um, for the for the National Political Committee, which is like the DSA's big major body. Uh, like governing body, right? Uh, they they accident people accidentally elected a police union organizer because he was like they knew he was a union organizer, but they didn't know that he organized <laughs> police unions. And uh, then he he fucking refused. Like nothing nothing was going to happen. And then they, basically what happened is everyone on the left of the organization bullied him out, and so he resigned. <laughs> but like, yeah, there's a lot of those people, right? And those people's class incentives are incredibly obvious, right? But. Yeah. And didn't the AFL CIO even in 2020 like refuse yep. to reject police unions? Right? Yeah. They were like, no. People, people if I no. remember, if I remember, I think I think someone threw a Molotov like into the headquarters of the AFL CIO yeah. because of it. Like, yeah, like th- this this was a whole fucking thing, and you know, like this sucks. Cops are not fucking workers. Jesus Christ, like. They're they're just not. If you if you look at what they actually do, they are they're, they're, they're like they're, they're basically minor feudal lords in that they extract rent from everyone by fucking walking up to people and robbing them, and then they also extract rent directly from us by take it by stealing just like enormous, increasingly large amounts of city funds under basically the threat of extortion and violence. Yeah, little uh, daimyos. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 shit. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! 
private. Put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride. Raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin. Not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride, glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. I want to come back to sort of left media outlets, right? Because what, what we've been seeing here is that as as these sort of left media outlets get larger, right, they, they increasingly adopt like insane small business tyrant politics because that's that's who they're becoming, right? 2IT notoriously tried to bust its own union staff. Yeah. Because it turns out as journalists become bosses and capitalists, they have they have their own class interests to look out for, right? Yeah. And they will continue producing this class discourse, which serves as nothing other than like 
at best like a safety sort of steam valve, right? For people who are frustrated by the class situation that they work in, if if not like an outright sort of disinformation campaign about what class is. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and there's, I think there's another thing going on here too, which is that like, okay, if, if you're like a sort of like media outlet and your thing is that you hate liberals and that you're on the left, right? There's, there's kind of a cap to your audience base and specifically there's a cap to the, the kind of audience you can have that actually has money because you know you you can you can get a broke base of sort of progressive workers and you can get some college yeah. students right but at some point like those those are not people that have a large amount of money yeah and at some point the right offers a, a listener base that has a bunch of money and this gives you a revenue base for sort of would be like media tycoons hitting the limits of their original base and this is responsible for things like like Max Blumenthal and ex like TYT reporter Jimmy Dore like descending into just full on COVID denialism and conspiracy. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's not like these yeah. people were like doing good before, but like you know, full on right wing like like yeah. Ma- Ma- Max Blumenthal <laughs> going from being like the most pro CCP guy the world has ever seen to literally writing articles about how social credit is coming to the U.S. <laughs> uh, in the form of COVID restrictions, like <laughs> this kind of shit. And you know, so like th- th- that's part of the class politics going on here. Like, there's another thing, which is like, okay, there's the Harvard academics. Uh, I don't think we need to say anything complicated about their class loyalties, except that, like, none of these dipshits will ever be beaten half to death by a cop. Um, Yeah, I mean, we talked about the union bureaucrats, right? Um, They're slightly more complicated. But again, like, in class terms, you get people who are either driven by purely by sort of the, the, the revenue that cop unions bring in. And then you get people who are opposed to political organizations like the DSA taking firm stances against police union organizers because it would affect their own ability to win off, like win elections inside the DSA, a thing that has happened so many times. <sighs> it's great. It's a, it is very funny that they chose class as uh, they chose uh, like education level as their proxy for class. And we are discussing this in the same week that we released an episode about a grad student strike at the largest yep. university in the country yep. because grad students are unhoused because they can't afford to pay their rent and feed themselves. Yep. It is it is atrocious shit. Like I just Yeah. <sighs> yeah okay. I, completely I, I hate these people. Um Yeah, so I want to close off mm. by talking about something which is that there's also a political angle to all of this, right? These people, all of these people doing this fucking tough on crime bullshit, all these people fucking going right, all of these people calculated that a right turn in American politics was coming, right? That's why TYT endorsed a fucking, literally a Republican in California who was also <laughs> an insane tough on crime guy. This is why, uh, this Larry is why Elder. they had, uh, no, 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 uh, uh Rick, Rick Caruso. Caruso, yeah, who was a Republican yeah. who changed his party yeah, affiliation yeah. so he could run the Democratic thing, who fucking yeah. sucks ass. That's why they endorsed yeah. that guy. That, that's why they had Matt, uh, quote, alleged pedophile Gates on their show on yeah. fucking election night. Right? They had like, Larry Elder on their show as well, like yeah, election yeah. denialist Larry Elder. Yeah, like th- th- this, this wasn't just a pure product of these people going insane watching videos of like people looting grocery stores and turning into like tough on crime yeah. reactionaries. This was a political calculation. And what Big stuff, but up. yeah, but, but, but they fucked up, right? These people yeah. fundamentally don't understand what this country is. They're scared. They've yeah. given up. They saw a single homeless person on the street and turned into a fascist. And they think that the American people are just hopelessly reactionary. And the only thing that's left to do is salvage the situation by selling out. And they're fucking and they're wrong. Smart. They don't think they don't credit people with having like compassion or empathy or intelligence either. Yeah. Right. They think they will just go the direction their stupid grift show points. Yeah, and and, and they're wrong. They're incredibly wrong. 
This is a country that in the name of fighting racism and the police, in the name of solidarity with people who are not their fucking selves, people who they will literally never beat, put on a mask, picked up a brick, and waged war against the best-funded police force in human history, and for like a week and a half, those same fucking Americans, who the entire political spectrum had written off as hopelessly beaten down and passive and right-wing, and like pe- people people who will take any amount of abuse and never say anything back, wrecked the fucking, wrecked the cop shit so hard, they lost control over the centers of ma- multiple major American cities and had to call in the fucking National Guard who, in turn, got their shit wrecked so hard that they had to rely on liberal civil society to calm the protest down and even then the president would have fucking deployed the army against them if he'd actually been physically able to and the only reason that these people weren't fighting the fucking army in the streets was that was that the fucking american generals refused to go along with it right like that that is who the u.s is that 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 is who this generation is this generation is forever the generation that burned a third precinct and the fucking ex-left is running right just don't fucking get it Right. They, they think the entire clock has been round back. They think that like those that like the, the people who did that have already been destroyed. They don't matter. The only thing left, yeah. you know, that you can do is join the right and mitigate the damage. And they're fucking wrong. They are wrong. They can't see it. They cannot see that there is no way to turn the clock back to before the uprising happened. They can't see that like this entire country, that the that the American working class, that parts of the people who are not part of the American working class have been fundamentally changed. And yeah, they, they, they just they just can't see it. And because they can't see it, the only thing that they're ever going to feel is the weight of their is, is the only thing they can feel is the weight of their ignorance. And the only thing they're going to feel on top of that is them getting fucking buried by the weight of a history that has left them behind. Because fuck these people. Fuck the cops. Fuck the people who support the cops. These people will be down but will be fucking drowned by the tide of history they thought didn't fucking exist. Fuck them. Okay, this is what, yeah, I, you could probably tell I wrote this really, really pissed off at five in the fucking morning because Jesus Christ. <sighs> that was good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Pick up a brick, put down the young Turks. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't fucking support more cops. Every, every, uh, everyone yeah. will hate you. Your coworkers will hate you. Your friends will hate you. Your family will hate you. The guy, the guy at the fucking corner store will hate you. <sighs> yeah. It, I don't, if you find your fucking left hero standing, the people who murdered George Floyd or stood around and watched George Floyd being murdered, then they are not a leftist anymore. <laughs> it's okay to tell them to fuck off and die. Yeah. And I mean, like, and we can go back to this first episode, right? Like, the reason these people are calling for 500,000 more cops is that they've given up entirely, right? They, they literally do not think it is possible for anything to ever improve in the U.S. And, and they're will- they are they're- wrong. Yeah, and I think that they're okay with the way that our police behave. And if that makes them feel comfortable and safe, then they don't mind that I mean, cops, people die cop, at the hands of the police. Cops protect rich people. These people have yeah. gotten wealthy yep. enough to yep. have the cops now benefit them. It's... It's that simple. Like that's that that's it's it's it's. I think that really is the the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, drive yeah. the driving like, motivator here. Yeah, and and, and yeah. I will, like I will, I will say this too. Like if, if if we ever get to a point where we start fucking doing this, like take us down too. Like yeah, this yeah, this, yeah. this is this isn't just a sort of like we're trying to build our business or whatever. I don't like I don't fucking care. I I I would I would rather fucking go broke in the streets. I would rather fucking die than be a person whose job it is to say we need more cops. Fuck these people. Like, oh, God, yeah. fuck them all. Yep. Mm-hmm. They've blocked me on Twitter, so I can't say it, but you all can. <laughs> <laughs> get, yeah. after, get after them. 
podcast fans. <laughs> oh God, we are we are not inciting a harassment campaign. Instead, no, go no, do better not. things. No, go. No. Yeah, I don't, don't waste, don't, don't, yeah, in all seriousness, don't waste your time doing discourse with people who exist to create bullshit discourse. They're just a distraction. Go and help someone needs your fucking help. Uh, it's cold, it's wet, it's wintertime, and there are unhoused people who are shivering on the street. So don't fuck with the, the young Turks. Just ignore them. They're pointless and yeah. useless. Go, 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 go out there and fucking build the socialism that these people think is impossible mm-hmm. because we can do it and we will. And then we will fucking laugh at them because yeah. we've done it and they are fucking bullshit. Yeah. <sighs> that's, that's the episode. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five, High Five Casino. Casino. Win at High Five Casino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six x visit tomboyx.com you wouldn't expect to hear that we're america's third best city for beer like this one or home to vibes like this and this it might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like whoa and hmm. not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.